Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you like, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. Don't forget, I have two other podcasts out there, From John to Justin, which releases every single Friday, and Canada's Great War, which releases every single Sunday. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can also find me on Twitter. Just search for Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D. And I'm on Instagram. Just search for Bairdo37. Today I'm looking at the history of Pinoca, an Alberta community right near Edmonton, which has a really cool history that I'm about to explore. The Indigenous when Europeans arrived in the area, the first indigenous they met were the Blackfoot and the Tsutsina people, who were once part of the Beaver indigenous before they migrated south in the 1700s. The first written record of the indigenous in the area came in the 1730s as fur traders and explorers like Anthony Hende came through. Around the same time, the Cree were starting to migrate in, but by 1808, the area between the North and South Saskatchewan rivers was controlled by the Blackfoot. One reason for so many nations occupying the area at various times was the fact that the bison were so abundant. By the 1830s, the Blackfoot would begin to migrate to the south and the Cree would begin to occupy more of the land around what would one day be Pinoka. In 1870, the indigenous in the area were hit by a terrible smallpox epidemic that left hundreds dead, and many fled to Fort Edmonton to escape the death toll. In 1877, Treaty 6 was signed and today, Pinoka sits on treaty land. The Founding of the Community As with so many other places in the prairies, Pinoka gets its start thanks to the railroad. The Calgary to Edmonton line would be built in 1891 with the first train running on July 15th. The first mention of the future community of Pinoka would be in the Edmonton Bolton on June 13th of that year. It was stated, quote, On Monday last, rails were laid and goods delivered at the 14th siding, a short distance this side of Battle River, where the second station north of Red Deer will be placed. End quote. The stop along the rail line would become Pinoka, and work crews would arrive and begin to build a station at that spot. And the first train would make a stop there on July 27, 1891. And that first train had 36 passengers when it left Calgary, 
24 of which did not go farther than Red Deer, leaving only 12 people to look over and see where Pinocchio would be one day. Soon after the sightings earned names, the number 14 became Pinocchio, which is apparently the Blackfoot word for elk. The first school built would be operating out of a log home in 1896 with 10 children attending. From here, Pinocchio would slowly grow as lots were sold, and the town site was laid out and buildings began to pop up. On October 19, 1900, the hamlet of Pinocchio became the village of Pinocchio, and four years later, almost to the day, the community became the town of Pinocchio. The first mayor of the community would actually be John D. McGilvery, who would see the community grow and would live to the age of 102. Around this time, the community was in need of a proper school and a four-room school was built to accommodate the growing population. In between those two events, Pinocchio would suffer a terrible fire when three prominent businesses were burned to the ground. The L.B. Matouche store would begin to burn due to faulty stovepipes, which then spread to the Hertz Barber Shop and onto the post office, resulting in $16,000 in damage, or $372,000 today. And when the telephone line was built between Calgary and Edmonton, the first pole was set up across the street from the Royal Hotel in Pinocchio in 1903. The world's largest horse and saddle bronc rider. One of the most noticeable features of Pinocchio is the world's largest saddle bronc and rider, called the Legacy, which is located in the Lion Centennial Park. Built in 2004 to celebrate the 100th anniversary of Pinocchio, the monument was dedicated to the strength of the pioneer families and the founding individuals of the community, and also celebrates the Pinocchio Stampede, something I'll talk about in just a bit. The project was commissioned by the Pinocchio Lions Club at a cost of $80,000, and the statue rises to 32 feet, including the base height of 11 feet. Constructed of birchwood, steel, and urethane foam, and is encased in fiberglass and weighs 1,600 pounds. The Pinocchio Stampede The Calgary Stampede may be more famous, but the Pinocchio Stampede is one of the most important stampedes not only in Alberta, but in North America. It is also one of the oldest stampedes in the province. The Pinocchio Sports Association was formed around 1920, with the first stampede being used to raise funds for the community. By 1936, the Stampede had grown to be a two-day event held over the Dominion Day long weekend, and this is considered to be the inception of the current Pinocchio Stampede. The first Stampede was led by a man named George McKetty, who was known for being rough and tough and one of the greatest cowboys in the province. A veteran of the Northwest Mounted Police whom he joined when he was 16 and the First World War, he would win the Alberta Bronc Busting Championship in 1922 despite breaking both of his wrists the previous day. But his rodeo career came to an end in 1923 while taking a carload of horses to Ontario. After roping a colt, McKetty's horse planted its feet and the colt bolted, causing his wrists to be caught in the rope. His hand was so severely damaged it had to be amputated. Even with this, he would later work to build the Alaska Highway before passing away in 1945. The Stampede of 1936 had an admission of 25 cents and featured bareback riding, wild cow milking, pony races, Roman races, and more. Prize money was as low as 50 cents and as high as $6, which is quite good considering it was the heart of the Great Depression. Cliff Vold would win the Bronc Riding Championship and earn that prize of $6, and he would live to be the age of 91 and died on July 30, 2006, as the last remaining charter member of the group that founded the Stampede.
1941, chuck wagon races were added to the rodeo weekend. This rodeo that attracted 3,000 people initially is now one of the top five rodeos in the world for payouts and prize money which rises to over $800,000. And it routinely brings in as many as 80,000 fans over the course of its rodeo week. I'd like to take a break away from the episode for a second to talk about ExploreNet. I spent most of my life living in rural areas in Canada, and I remember the days of dial-up internet and spotty high-speed service. For the past three years, I have been a customer of ExploreNet, and I can honestly say that it is the best rural internet I have ever had. My job as a podcaster means I spend a lot of time researching online, interviewing people over Zoom, and uploading content. Through it all, ExploreNet has provided me with excellent service. When I'm not working, I enjoy streaming content on several streaming platforms and even doing some online gaming with a friend in Ontario. ExploreNet allows me to do all of that with ease. Right now, they offer up to 50 megabits per second on their new LTE network with unlimited data. Their service has only become faster and better since I first signed on. Today and beyond, ExploreNet is investing in building and upgrading the network at a rapid pace. ExploreNet is rural, and that is their route, and that is their focus. For more information about rural internet options in your area, go to ExploreNet.com or call 1-866-285-2253. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey... Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Fort Austell Museum. On June 25, 1967, the Fort Austell Museum Society was formed, taking its name from the fort built nearby to Pinocchio during the Northwest Rebellion of 1885. In order to secure the area, an Alberta field force of 462 men under Captain John Austell built a fortification on the Battle River, naming the fort after their commanding officer. After the resistance ended in May of 1885, the life of Fort Austell would come to an end. It would only serve as a military post from May 9th to June 27th of that year. The fort is long gone, but it lives on in the museum that bears its name. The Museum Society would open its museum in 1981, and today it houses artifacts from the history of the community dating back to before Europeans arrived. In 2004, as part of Pinocchio Centennial, it added artifacts from the Alberta Mental Hospital Museum, and now it has one of the few collections of artifacts from mental hospitals in Canada. In all, the facility has 10,000 artifacts and several exhibits for you to explore the history of the area. The Community Restroom It may seem odd to go into a restroom that is a historic site, 
but that is the case with the community restroom in Pinoka. Built in 1929, the simple concrete building was a sign of the changing times in Alberta. At the time it was built, businesses tended to cater to men, and the bathrooms inside were typically for men only. As a result of this, the Women's Institute of Alberta created these washrooms that included a sitting room, play area for children, and a small library. The structure was built for $5,107, and it was paid off in only four years. It was a welcome change for the women who often had to sit outside the pool hall or bar while they waited for their spouse to leave. The restroom was often under the care of a matron who ensured that everything that was needed was on hand in the premises. The facility also provided another important community role for women. It gave them a place to meet, socialize, and organize. This allowed them to begin to play an increasingly important role in the province as more women were elected to municipal and provincial governments. On the top floor were apartments, which were used by the matron and any unmarried women who were working in town. The Pinoka Institute One of the most important buildings in the history of Pinoka is the Alberta Hospital Building No. 1, located just to the southeast of the community. Built in 1908 to 1912, the hospital served as a place where those who suffered with mental illness were housed in the 20th century. Prior to this, anyone deemed to be mentally disabled was sent to Brandon, Manitoba for treatment. But as Alberta's population was rising with new immigrants, the need for a facility in Alberta became apparent. On August 1, 1908, work began on the new three-story building that would serve as the first mental health institution in Alberta history. The entire facility was built of fireproof materials as it was in an isolated location and prairie fires were not uncommon. The rural area of Pinoka was chosen as it was felt that the fresh air and immersion in the natural world would also help the patients. The Alberta Hospital for the Insane, as it was known, would open on July 4, 1911 with 16 cases admitted during the first month. Construction would continue on the building until 1912, and the number of cases would continue to rise, including 164 cases transferred from Brandon. The facility would be used throughout the 20th century and would eventually become known as the Provincial Mental Health Hospital. At the time of its construction, it had room for 150 patients and also a water tower, reservoir, farm, and homes for doctors and nurses. Over the years, the number of patients at the facility would fluctuate, as would its methods. In 1940, the first movies were displayed for patients at the facility, and in 1942, the first prisoner of war was admitted, followed by others. By VE Day in 1945, six prisoners of war were housed in the facility. That same year, lobotomies would be conducted for the first time. With expansions, the hospital would house 1,600 people in the 1950s with a staff of 450. The farm at the hospital was also one of the largest in the province, with large herds of livestock, a colony of bees, 100 acres of potatoes, and 10,000 chickens. In 1953, the farm produced 779,000 pounds of milk, 4,925 quarts of cream, 402,000 dozen eggs, 31,000 pounds of poultry, and 122,000 pounds of pork. The hospital would remain open until 2002 when it was closed and replaced with a modern facility that could house 330 beds and 1,000 staff, including 20 doctors and 200 nurses. Today, the facility is now the Centennial Center for Mental Health and Brain Injury and is a nationally renowned center for the treatment of brain damage. I hope you enjoyed that episode and my look 
at the community of Pinoka. If you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can reach me through email at craig at canadaehx.com. You can also visit my website where you'll find hundreds of articles on Canada's history as well as all my podcast episodes. Just go to canadaehx.com. And don't forget you can support the podcast through Patreon. There are multiple tiers to choose from, all with great benefits. You can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just like all of these wonderful patrons have, and I apologize if I mispronounce any names. Randy Hayden Doug Campbell Reg W Deborah Carlson Francis Helbling Randa McCallum Diane Wade Lorianne Kirby Gary Dolovich Nick Zinri Shannon Marshall Clinton Martinez Dimitri Chauve Aaron O'Hara Myers Robert Dunseith Todd Casey Catherine Rawa Luke S JP Bear Jason Hall Phil Maynard and Iris Gray If you want you can find me on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash CanadianHistoryX. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D. And you can find me on Instagram. Just go to Bairdo37. Thanks. I'll see you again next time.